0: Hello, and welcome to How to Beat Your Kids at Board Games. I'm John. And I'm Dan. And today we are bringing to you a a special, special game, the French game of Carcassonne. Wait, is it a French game, Dan?
1: It's actually a German-style board game, John. Uh, Okay, okay, but,
0: and I might be wrong here, I think Carcassonne is a French city,
1: right? Why that is correct, John? A uh, Carcassonne was designed as a game by Klaus Jürgen Vrede uh, and launched by Hans Im Glück in two thousand. Uh, the name Carcassonne uh, is the name of a French city. It's a city in the south of France. It was built up in medieval times uh, and is known for its heavily fortified walls um yeah you should check it out if you ever get a chance to look it up it's it's kind of a ridiculous city (laughs) oh it 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 looks uh yeah it looks like something out of a storybook uh or something out of a carcasson box yeah it looks exactly (laughs) like like the city tile so it's, it's great um yeah. So yeah, uh, so Carcassonne, as I mentioned, is a German-style game or Euro game, um, and it's considered one of the big four of Euro games. Uh, the other three are Catan, which we've already gone through on this podcast, uh, Agricola, or Agricola, I'm not quite sure how to pronounce that yet. I think it's Agricola. Agricola, okay. And Ticket to Ride, uh, which which we just played over Christmas break, and that yes, was super yes. fun. Well, so
0: yeah, I just got a copy for Christmas, so, uh, you know, I'm not... I'm not making any promises, but uh, as far as upcoming episodes, it's a uh, it's pretty hot hot button.
1: Pretty uh team. pretty likely that we'll eventually have an episode on Ticket to Ride. Yes. But today we're talking about today we're talking about Carcassonne. Um so uh, yeah, just to be clear about Eurogames uh to review, this means that there's a sort of non-trivial interpersonal element of the game. Uh, there's less of an emphasis on direct conflict and more of an emphasis on sort of uh indirect uh grappling if you will um there are opportunities for cooperation but there are also opportunities to mess with people to put it nicely Mm -hmm. um the nice thing about carcassonne is it's relatively quick to play compared to other euro games uh usually you're done in under 45 minutes although if you're like john and me who just played a couple games before we started uh this podcast uh maybe you want to double that (laughs) (laughs) um yeah but anyway, but we we
0: were yeah. and we were spending time a lot of time talking about um, yeah. our decisions and we had some very with one particularly close <laughs> game where we were spending a lot of time on each move and actually mm-hmm. um you know like like advising each other.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Things so like that. Yeah, the, the annotation will take quite a lot of time, so mm-hmm. but anyway, if you're just playing with a, with a group of friends, uh not thinking too much about it, won't take too long. Mm-hmm. Um so that's what's nice about it. Um makes it easy to play many games in quick succession, mm-hmm. which is also great for learning cuz you get your feedback sort of immediately on whether what you did was good or bad. Right. Uh, yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, Carcassonne's a great game. Also it's it, it's it has that sort of like factor of just making you feel good when you play it. Uh, totally. It's a very satisfying game to play. So so there's a lot of like, you know, when you first play, when you first break out the game, like I broke it out and and it was like, I played it once. and I was like, oh my, I immediately want to play this thing again. Exactly. Yeah. Cause it's, it's not, um you know, it's not too slow. It's, mm-hmm. it's pretty fast paced and also like not something where the first time you play it, you're freaking out about all your decisions. Right. You're kind of just like, oh. Yeah, I guess I'll just do this and yep. see what happens. Yeah. And, and you don't part, really feel bad.
1: Yeah. And another part of what what makes it fun, even if you're just beginning, is there's a lot of randomness involved. So uh, even if you're a novice, uh, it's it's not unheard of to beat someone who's just super skilled at the game mm-hmm. um, because there's a lot of randomness when it comes to drawing tiles, et cetera. Uh, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Yeah. Um, Anything else you wanted to, to go through in the overview before we get to the Rules Blitz, John? Hmm, nope, N- nothing here for me. Okay, cool. Uh, well, then, let's get into Rules Blitz. Cue uh. the music.
0: All righty, and he- welcome to Rules Blitz, <laughs> starting with rule number one. Carcassonne can be played by two to five players.
1: Each turn, players build out the game board by taking a random tile from the draw pile and placing it so the features make sense. Each tile has at least one of
0: four features on it. Roads, cities, monasteries, or fields. Expansions add other features such as gardens or the river.
1: Players start the game with seven game pieces, or meeple,
0: each. When a player places a tile, they may place one of their available meeples onto a feature of the tile they placed, as long as this feature is not already occupied by another player.
1: Players score points based on the features they place their meeples on. Players can get their meeples back by completing the features that they're placed on. Cities and roads are completed by closing out the structure. Monasteries are completed when all of the adjacent tiles are placed. Fields are never technically complete. Once a feature is complete, the meeple occupying
0: that feature are returned to the player's hands. The player with the most meeple on the feature wins the points associated with it. If it's a tie, both players get full points. The game ends when there are no tiles left to play. At the end of the game, meeple left on incomplete features earn the points associated with those features. Scoring is counted as follows. A completed city counts for two points per tile. Tiles with a pennant or shield on them count double.
1: An incomplete city counts for one point per tile, with pennant tiles also counting double.
0: A road counts for one point per tile.
1: A monastery or garden counts for
0: one point per adjacent tile. And lastly, a field counts for three points per completed city that the field borders.
1: All right. And the player at the end with the most points wins the game.
0: All righty. And that has been Carcassonne Rules Blitz. Okay. We're back. And, uh, you know, Dan and I have taken a hefty break. Um, This is, uh, you know, hours later after recording our Rules Blitz. It really takes a lot out of us. Yeah. uh, we have to kind of recuperate, um, and uh, yeah, I think we're about ready to get into the strategy and uh, tips
1: for Carcassonne. All right, sounds good. Uh, so we're going to get into quite a bit today. Uh, we're going to start with the more basic rules of thumb, that, and then we'll get into some more advanced strategy and tactics. Uh, so we're pretty excited. Uh, but let's start out with some rules of thumb. <laughs> rules, rules of thumb. <laughs> rules of, th- man, I need an antacid apparently. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. So, <laughs> so, uh, like we said in the rules blitz, we have, uh, three different features. Well, four, if you count fields, uh, and fields are different in a way we'll, we'll explain later, but, um, so you have roads, you have cities, you have monasteries, and you have fields, and uh, it it may seem to a novice that these are like why why would you want to build a road in a different way that you want to build a city, for example? Um, but it turns out you you want to treat each of these relatively differently uh, when you're thinking about how to place the tiles in the best way. So a good general rule of thumb. Let's let's start with roads. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Um, in general, you want to build your roads out. Uh, you don't want to double back in. Uh, so Out from what? Uh, out from the center of the board. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so so essentially, you know, the, the game starts with one tile placed, and then the first player plays their first tile, etc. So as, as the board gets bigger, there's going to be opportunities to to build out away from the center. There's Mm -hmm. also going to be opportunities to build back into the center. Mm -hmm. And, um, there's, it's, if you, if you're able to do both, you always generally want to choose out, um, whether it's a road or a city actually. Um, because the more tiles that surround the tile that you're placing or wanting to place, the harder it is going to be to complete that structure in the
0: end. It's like find the right tile. So like, so with the case of roads, right, you got to build these roads where and roads sort of always, you know, a road always comes in from the side of a tile and goes out another side of the tile, unless the road finishes at mm-hmm. a um by like going into a monastery or or leading into a city. Mm-hmm. Um but so you have to sort of line up these sides of the tiles so that the road continues on, right? Um but the thing is that, you know, you don't just have to line that up. You also have to make sure that the rest of the tile that the, you know, say you have a a tile with just a straight road and there's fields on either side. Um, you need to make sure that like you know wherever you're placing, that the fields sort of stretch out onto the adjacent tiles as well. You don't just need to worry about the road. And mm-hmm. so that's what we're talking about here. And that's what you know we said in the rules blitz that uh, you know, the tile placement has to make sense. You can't have this roads like ending into oblivion. Um, and so basically, the more tiles there are around you, yeah, like the more. Different features you're going to have to sort of match up,
1: right? So, so example, if if you need to fill a space, and on one side there's a city, and on another side there's a road, and on another side there's a field, you're going to need a pretty specific tile to actually put into that space and finish your say city that you're you're working on. But if if you built out instead, uh, you might have nothing surrounding the um, the space of the tile you want to place um, except like the one tile except like the one tile to. that you just placed yeah and mm-hmm. so you have much fewer constraints and as a result there are many more tiles that will sort of fit the bill for continuing or finishing that project mm-hmm. yeah
0: so yes yeah, so, i mean and this is kind of a theme here we're bringing it up first with roads but yeah build road definitely build roads out um and and i mean i think the other unique thing about well again, this isn't so unique but one unique thing about roads that I thought found like really handy was that um, a good good rule of thumb to follow is that you only want to build like put place a meeple down on a road that is already capped at one end. Mm-hmm. So like a, a road that's like open ended both ways is gonna be a lot harder to finish. Um yeah. because not only do you have to find a tile that ends the road on the right side, you know, or the bottom, whatever, you also have to find a tile that ends the road on the other side. So it's like twice as much work for you to actually get the points out of that, or well, to get your meeple back from that yeah. road.
1: Right, and as we'll as we'll explain later, getting your meeple back is pretty important. Uh, but we're not quite there yet. So, um, so yeah, you wanna you wanna build when the road is capped at one end. Um, talking about cities, unless you had anything more on on roads.
0: Yeah, the other thing to keep in mind with roads, and and that you know we'll come back to with farms, but um, like one thing that roads serve to do is split up farms mm-hmm. split up split up fields sorry okay um so like like when you're placing your your road mm-hmm. and you don't you aren't necessarily building a road for yourself you can also think about the fact that your road mm-hmm. very can very cleanly divide up up um fields or like bound in a field that someone has already claimed mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so that's like, I think one purpose that road service, because, because I mean, compared to yeah. cities, like, I don't know, building a road, isn't quite as satisfying as completing a city. Definitely. True. And so you think like, <laughs> all right, what if we, what if these were just all cities, but then you sort of run, you, you, you don't have this interesting shaping mm-hmm. of the fields that you right. get with roads. So Certainly. I think that's actually pretty important.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And a, and a larger theme that I glean from that is, uh, you want you want to really see the whole board um you don't want to just think about the tile that you're placing right now uh but the implications that that it has for the rest of the board Mm -hmm. because the the sort of composition of the board is constantly changing as more tiles are being put down specifically when it comes to fields as you Mm -hmm. said this the shape of the field is changing the number of cities that it touches is is changing to um the likelihood of completing certain projects like cities, et cetera, uh, is changing. Um, and so, uh, yeah, you know, there's um, there's more to placing tiles than, like, building your own projects.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. 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 And so moving on to, um, you know, cities, I, th- I think we're good. Here. Yeah, I, th- and, I think we're good. And so, roads, ci- yeah. so cities here, cities score twice as much as roads if they're completed, Mm -hmm. um but you know they score about the same as roads if they're incomplete Mm -hmm. um so really like completion seems like a very like you really want to head towards completing that city yeah yeah another thing like just sort of geometrically that i'll mention is that um Mm -hmm. cities always go around corners of the tiles Mm -hmm. they don't like interact with the sides you know like the like a you match up the corners of a city, yes, or the corners okay. of a tile to like build a city. Yeah,
1: okay. I had never thought about that. Yeah, so yeah the the uh, the roads you match on the sides and the cities you match on the corners. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, I don't know if that even means anything as far as gameplay goes, but it right. sort of helps me remember like what kind of shapes you can get mm-hmm. from a city. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, yeah, and and I mean, yeah the the number of shapes you can get from a city are near boundless. Um, Just because of the way they sort of uh, can be contorted, Um, Mm -hmm. so I guess um, when it comes to cities, the thing to remember is uh, they're pretty hard to complete. Um, Mm -hmm. Like just just that as a baseline is is helpful to remember. Um, So a good rule of thumb when you're building your cities, um, you know, when you have a city that you have placed your meeple on, you want to try not to increase the number of quote caps you need to close it so what is a cap you ask a cap is a tile as at least as we refer it to to it is a a tile that has a sort of one side city Mm -hmm. um not not two side not three side but just one side is a city and and so if you have um sort of one edge of the tile um is taken uh, what, up by a city, what, one edge of the tile is, is taken up by a city. So, in other words, if you have an incomplete city, um, that has like one edge open, you can use this cap to complete your city,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. So,
1: no, so if you have, um, like
0: ca- caps have the, the city walls going along the side of the tile, not along the diagonal right. of the tile, exactly, right? Yes, you know, yes, exactly. You can think of that, that mm-hmm. I mean, in general, um that's what a cap is something that can because it only
1: goes on one side it can sort of close off a city mm-hmm. right right so um so you want to decrease the number of edges that are open on your incomplete city whenever possible um so that you need a fewer number of caps to complete it mm-hmm. um so in other words you might not want to extend your city uh, even if you know, even though it gives you more points, um, if you add a tile and it increases, it increases the number of edges you need to finish, uh, you might not want to do that to your city. You might want to add it to a different city.
0: Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah, I would agree. Um, you really want to, like, just keep in mind that they're hard to finish. And we've already said that enough, so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we yeah. could move on here. Uh,
1: so, okay. Uh, so make your cities easier to finish. And uh, moving on to farms. Uh the rule of thumb here is, is pretty straightforward, but uh, it's it's much harder in practice. Um, but don't build farms early in the game. Uh, why is this the case? Because once you place a meeple face down on a farm, which is how you just how you place it, um, you can never use that meeple again. He's a farmer for life. Uh, He's settled down. Um, so you, if you if you place a meeple early in the game, you're foregoing a lot of potential points that he could score. somewhere um, else on on something else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so in general, you want to not place farmers too early in the game. Uh, farmers on fields. There's obviously. A balance, though, because fields can be very lucrative, especially if they're connected to a lot of cities. Mm-hmm. So you also sort of want to be the first one to claim the lucrative farm, and you want to keep control of that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, mean, I think, like, in the game we, we were playing and that I've played in, in practice, like, the biggest field tends to be worth anywhere from 12 to 20-something points. Exactly, um, They yeah. can get really yeah. up there.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, right. So, it, so it's a non-trivial number of points, uh, but, but... It's a big commitment. It, it's a big commitment, and the earlier you do it in the game, the more potential points you're foregoing. So uh, it's a delicate yeah. balance. I don't think either of us have quite mastered this yet, mm-hmm. based on the game we just played. Right, <laughs> but, but yeah. <laughs> but,
0: uh, I mean, also, placing a farmer early comes with uh, the effect that people probably won't be as they don't want to build as many cities on your field, which means like in a four player game, you might not Mm. score as much overall. Like you might slow down your opponents from making cities, but if someone else has a bigger, a better field somewhere, you know, Mm -hmm. um, like you might just kind of lose out in the long
1: run because you want your farm to score a lot, but no one's going to want to build on it. Exactly. And I I would also say um, don't place a farmer on a field. Again, this is a rule of thumb. We'll get into more tactics later, but don't place a farmer unless you have sort of a guaranteed payoff. Mm -hmm. You know, so if you like, if you're early in the game and no one's placed a farmer yet, and you see this field and you're like, hmm, this field looks pretty good because because a lot of people have started cities on this. Yeah, there's like these three incomplete cities here, and then these two complete cities here. This is going to be a good field. Hold off on placing that farmer because it, those th- those three incomplete cities might not end up being complete, and so you've you might think in your mind, "Oh, fifteen points," and it ends up being six points, right? Uh, yeah. And you've lost half the game by putting down a farmer. Yeah. Um, so anyway, um, final rule of thumb for me for farmers is just in general, be be cautious. Yeah. like um, it's usually. It's usually the case that you can find a decent field in the end of the game, even if you don't get the biggest mm-hmm. field. You might be able to find a good field or two, yeah. and then you can focus your meeple power on the rest uh, on the the rest of the ways you can earn yeah. points throughout the rest.
0: Yeah, of the I game. mean, and like, and like, I feel like. F- Farmers are just a great thing to put down in the last few turns of the game yeah. because it, ma- like, it can be devastating. In the last few turns of the game, sometimes you've got like tiny little cities left to complete, mm-hmm. or like maybe you can put a meeple down on some road that's not going to finish for like mm-hmm. three points, or you can try and snag a farm that's worth six. Yeah, and that's like I mean, six points is a lot better than three or four when you're trying to play when it's the end of the game and things are really tight. So yeah, it's yeah, I mean. F- farmers even if they're not grabbing the biggest feel i think are just great to play in the end mm-hmm. of the game
1: definitely mm-hmm. okay moving on to monasteries um monasteries are very uh can be very efficient ways to earn quick points mm-hmm. um depending on the version of the game you're playing <laughs> um We'll get into the extension in a sec- in more detail in a second when we talk about the abbot. But in general, with monasteries, uh, you want to be very cautious because, in order to complete your monastery, you need all eight adjacent tiles to yeah. be built. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so eight tiles it, is a lot of tiles. <laughs> it's a lot of tiles. So you might so you might think, oh, monastery eight points. That's a lot of points um just be be mindful of the cost it takes to build around um mm-hmm. and so i would i would say that not that you if not that if you get a monastery you should place it and not put a meeple on it if you can but you should be very careful about where you place it mm-hmm. because if you place it somewhere and then even one of those eight tiles is eventually blocked off uh that's one maple you've lost
0: yeah and, and and i mean an incomplete monastery is essentially the same effect as having a small field right somewhere yeah. around si- somewhere between six to eight points is what i would exactly. guess mm-hmm. and you lose the meeple for the rest of the game so yeah. you can kind of think of it, it it is a similar similarly strong commitment um to place a farmer in the field but they're also yeah like dan said if you with careful placement mm-hmm. you can sort of mitigate this risk um one thing that I like to do with, with monasteries is, hmm. um, well, there's a couple of things, but the first one is that monasteries uh, weirdly go well next to other monasteries. Um, yes. And this is because generally there's uh, monasteries tend to be surrounded by fields on mm-hmm. at least three sides. I mean, and, and like most of them are surra- like four of the monasteries in the deck are surrounded fully by fields and fields mm-hmm. are actually really easy to build off of. Right. Um, compared to like roads and, and especially and cities. yeah. Um, so monastery a monastery next to a monastery, um, I mean, first of all, if it's next to a monastery that someone else controls, then they're going to want to build out that their monastery, yep. which means they're going to do like half your job for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yeah. you can focus on the other half, basically, of the eight tiles.
1: Exactly. And an important point uh, that you hit on there is letting your opponents do the work for you. So um definitely when you're talking about a monastery next to a monastery but also you know if you can build next to a road or a city that you're very confident and again be be careful with cities that you're very confident that your opponent is going to try to complete in other words like they're already on this road it's like capped on one end they're definitely going to try to finish it and maybe they like, need
0: the meeple back or something. Maybe they
1: need the meeple back. And like it just so happens that to complete this road, they're gonna have to go through two squares adjacent to your monastery. You know, think about building there instead of somewhere else where you would be the primary one to build, to build. the squares mm-hmm. around your monastery. Because mm-hmm. you definitely don't want to, you know, we've we've talked about duplication and diversification in the past, but you don't mm-hmm. wanna be in the case where you have this tile and oh you could you know, you could drop it on a, on a city and gain some quick points, or you could use it to complete your monastery and get your meeple. You don't want to have to choose between those two things. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to let other people do some of the work for you right. so you can be more efficient on your turns.
0: Yeah. And uh duplication and diversification that's, uh, I believe from the infamous backgammon zoom episode. Yes. Um, so you're kind of a real fan if you've seen that, uh, if you've listened to that episode, yeah. Um, but yeah, diversification, duplication, like Dan saying, you—if you, you have too much to do at once, mm-hmm. um, then you then your turns don't feel as well. If the same tile you need in like three different spots, then you're kind of in a rough spot because you have to draw three of those tiles to yeah. really get what you need. Exactly. And so that's what he's saying with monasteries is like monasteries. <laughs> tend to need a lot of specific tiles to complete Mm -hmm. and so if any of those overlap with other specific tiles you need that you could be in for a bit of a bruising yeah um exactly so yeah you really have to be careful and and um building it's sort of this this uh trade-off because you know clearly if you build a monastery out on the outside of the board then it's going to be very easy to build around it but then you'll have to do more building to get yeah. the thing back. So it doesn't really you're,
1: matter in the end. Yeah. Like your opponents, if you're, if you're out on the edge of the board, your opponents are probably less likely to say, Oh, there there's less likely to be a, like a project out there that your opponent needs to complete. Yeah, they can just ignore Around, that side of the board yeah. pretty much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So you, you want to use a little bit of, um, it's a, a little bit of a judo here. You know, you, you use your opponent's momentum against them right. kind of thing. Mm hmm cool okay um so now that we've talked about monasteries uh, there's a special piece in the expansion pack which
0: and it's a I'm, it's a common, common expansion sure now,
1: uh i'm pretty sure now it might even come with the basic game i don't know i got it with basic about. basic game right it's a if you have an old
0: version of the game you might not have the abbot but i believe it's basically coming coming in the standard pack right now so mm-hmm. we're going to talk about yeah. it here
1: yeah uh, so the abbot is a pretty cool piece um it's it's not super versatile. Um no, exactly. Um, so but I would say it does add versatility to your
0: other pieces. Absolutely. Your other absolutely. Yeah.
1: So um so what the abbot can do is you can place an abbot on a monastery or a gardens and a gardens is a um they just look like a flower it's box. Like, it's yeah, it's like a little <laughs> rectangle flower box that you'll you'll see on uh on the square and nothing can be placed on this gardens um, in the original game but this abbot piece can be placed on there or a monastery and they both um, score the same they both score exactly the same um so you know if you've got if you've got a tile with a gardens and an abbot um, all that tile and all the tiles adjacent to it will score one point hmm. right mm-hmm. so um, the cool thing about the abbot along with being able to be placed on a gardens is that in lieu of placing a meeple on any given turn, you can actually take back your abbot from your monastery or gardens where you have it placed and you can score then, um, Mm -hmm. instead of waiting to the end of the game or waiting until all eight squares around that monastery or gardens are complete. Mm -hmm. And, uh, You know, so you get it back in hand to place it again and Mm -hmm. take it back and score again and then place it and take it back and score again. So you can actually score quite a few times with the Abbot in a game if you get, you know, good draws. Mm -hmm. Um, So it can be a very powerful, uh, very potent game piece. Mm -hmm.
0: Yes. And uh, I mean, I think I don't don't know if you mentioned this, you might have, but uh, you can't the turn that you take the Abbot back, you can't place a meeple down. So, so a lot of times like right. y- you think like oh, okay I, I don't i feel like i'm wasting a turn by taking this abbot back but actually that's a bit of a a bit of a logical fallacy because right. um especially because the abbot's the only um piece that can be put on a gardens mm-hmm. um having an abbot in your hand it, it's like it's like it's kinda like, like
1: free points yeah exactly right.
0: it, it's basically free points um i mean it's kind of strange because you like as soon as when your abbot's in your hand, mm-hmm. you want it to be out on the board, and when your yep. abbot's on the board, you want it back in your hand as soon as yes. possible. <laughs> exactly, the grass is always greener, I guess.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, um, and we will we will get into this later why this is the case, but. You definitely will not be placing a meeple every turn, mm-hmm. uh, or you shouldn't be placing a meeple every turn. If you, you do, that would be kind of insane. If you <laughs> if you place a meeple every turn, uh, then very soon you will have no more meeple left to place, and you'll mm-hmm. be very sad mm-hmm. while everybody else keeps scoring points and you're stranded. Um, so what I mean to say by that is you will have these downturns. So I'm not I'm not saying like and not even
0: downturns, but maybe downturns. turns
1: where you're building out a city that you're already occupying, right? exactly Um, exactly yeah Yeah, so um when i say downturns i mean turns where you don't have a profitable new project to build on Mm -hmm. so um you know you can't just drop down a city for a quick four points or um you can't like complete a road or or whatever um you know essentially you you don't have anything you could do that would be worthwhile to actually put a meeple down Mm -hmm. um and your abbot is out on the board. You should just take that abbot back and put it mm-hmm. put it back in your hand. Um, you should even do this if the tiles around it are not complete. Yeah, like if it's not even going to score that many points. Exactly. Because I,
0: okay, you can think of it this way: like when you have a turn where you're debating whether you take your abbot back, you're like, "All right, if I don't take this abbot back, maybe next turn I'll build something around it and score one more point from this abbot." Mm-hmm. Um, the issue is that, um, what happens if the next turn you draw another gardens, mm-hmm. <laughs> then you've missed out on like four to four to nine points. Mm-hmm. Um, so you stand to lose a lot by leaving your abbot out too long and drawing a gardens that you can't put the abbot on. Yeah, um, and more like more than you stand to gain by putting one more tile or
1: hoping that people put one or two more tiles around your existing abbot. Exactly, and. Another another reason you want to have it in your hand in case a gardens or a monastery is pulled is uh, there are six monastery tiles and eight gardens tiles uh, in the basic mm. edition, and there are 72 tiles total. Um, right. So that's about a fifth of the tiles, of tiles have a yeah. monastery or garden on them. And
0: a lot of gardens too compared to monasteries
1: like <laughs> Yeah, exactly, exactly. So a lot of these tiles you can only actually place the abbot on there. So um if you have the abbot out on the board and you wanted to take it back last turn, but you didn't, because you wanted one or two more tiles to be built around it, you've just you've just lost at least three, probably more like five or six points by mm-hmm. not having your habit and abbot in hand. Your habit in and your habit in and exactly, <laughs> which yeah. you know uh, maybe the abbot wears a habit, but <laughs> uh, but um, you know so you you really want to be putting it down and picking it up pretty fast. You want to do that multiple times every game. That's the best way you use the abbot to score. Mm-hmm. The other nice thing about the abbot is you don't have to be as picky in terms of which monasteries are where you place your monastery or your gardens. So, let's say there's a space that you know, with an ordinary meeple, let's say you have a monastery and you say, "Okay, I can I can place it here and get 6 points immediately, but the rest, the rest of these squares will probably not be completed because you know one or two of the squares is blocked because say it, say it's late in the game or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, with the abbot, you don't really have to worry about that because even if even if you're not able to finish those squares around, you can still take the abbot up whenever you want. So you don't have to you don't you actually just don't have to think about whether this is going to be completed. You yeah. can just say, okay, what's going to get me the most points now? do that
0: <laughs> yeah it's a very simple decision making <laughs> yeah. process oh yeah yeah cool and uh and so i think you know that's that's i think we're about ready to move on and yeah. um it's a pretty decent segue into sort of our advanced mm. i would say our advanced building section or our advanced strategy section um yeah. which is all about the throughput mindset um so dan can you can you give us a little summary or a little definition of what throughput means
1: Yes, uh, so throughput is a term uh, often used in the field of operations um, so i i I did first hear this term in business school <laughs> um, so throughput is so basically
0: you have to be a business. <laughs> major or getting your MBA to
1: be good at Carcassonne just just saying Exactly you you, you degree required <laughs> but uh no no She's degree kidding. required um that's what we're here for <laughs> I learned this term in, in my in getting my MBA but I also saw it in a random article on the internet about Carcassonne so exactly. it can really be from anywhere but essentially throughput is output over time so applying this to the game this means you you want to you want to maximize your throughput like By definition, you want to maximize your output over the course of the game. Like, we can all agree on that, right? So what is your output over the course of the game? It's the sum of the points scored by your seven meeple over the course of the game. Mm -hmm. And at any point in the game, you want to maximize the sum of your points scored by all of your available and potentially available meeple Hmm. over the course of the remainder of the game okay however many terms that turns that might be so like give me give me an example of of like the throughput mindset Uh, yeah
0: or like common common mistake maybe
1: okay so let's say let's say you're about halfway through the game and you have this opportunity to claim a city let's say there's a city with With three tiles built on it, but nobody has claimed it yet. Nobody's put a meeple on it yet. And you have the ability. You you, let's say you have
0: how many open caps does it have?
1: Uh, it's. uh, It has. Let's make it real easy. It has three open caps. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So, uh, all right. So you have a cap in your hand. Uh, you can place this cap on on this city that has three three tiles placed, and three open caps. um, Or, which, which you know, and let's say even one of those has a pennant on it. Okay, so this, this city, if you claimed it, would be worth... Um, five
0: immediately. Five, yeah,
1: five immediately and potentially 10 at the end well, of the game.
0: If you completed it, it would be Sorry. at least right. 14. If you completed you it, it, it would be
1: at least 14, maybe more by mm-hmm. the end of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but right, but right now it's worth it's worth five immediately.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now you also have another city. Um, it's just it's just one one open cap, and that's it. Uh, and you can place the cap in your hand there, and then just drop a meeple, and score four points immediately. Yeah, and immediately get your meeple back, right? Immediately get your meeple back.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, in this case, uh, it's it's pretty clear to me that what you would want to do is place immediately and get your meeple back mm-hmm. for the four because even though this big city is potentially worth as uh, at least 14 points there's there's a few problems one is you might not get it done mm-hmm. um two is while you're getting it done your meeple is sitting there on this city stranded Mm -hmm. um and unable to score any more points um so you know
0: yeah i mean like the amount of points you expect to score from putting Mm -hmm. on the big city would be anywhere from five to 14 plus right Right. It's a big range but you think you're gonna fall somewhere in the range of five Mm -hmm. to 14 if you're lucky maybe 16 18 right um but i guess the idea would be that if you score four immediately Mm -hmm. then later in the game You score four again. You can score four again. Um, You might drop you might
1: you might drop a quick road, like end end to end road and two tiles, um, for for two points. Okay. You've scored
0: like ten, you know, like and then and then you know, last turn of the game you drop it down on a field to score six.
1: Exactly. Right. Exactly. So the idea is like not only does this give you more flexibility, it also just gives you like
0: so like it requires on, less investment on average it, it it requires
1: it requires less investment uh so you have more resources available to deploy if a good opportunity does present itself which you know they they often do mm-hmm. you know there's like honestly like four point cities um tend to occur a lot in the yeah. game mm-hmm. um you know there's just a lot of tiles with those caps i mean it's
0: got to be the most common size of city right
1: yeah it is it <laughs> is and so you definitely and even like even like three those like three tile cities with one pennant like yeah, those occur fairly yeah. often too like unclaimed and you just drop a cap and score 8 points immediately mm-hmm. and so my i guess my my point with this is um good projects tend to come up um at any point in the game you do not want to be left without a meeple in your hand um when you have meeple stranded out on the board uh you can like you know the the operations term is their inventory um you know they're they're like capital their resources tied up and unable to do anything Mm -hmm. so they're not they're not they're not actively working for you um if they're out on the board um which is kind of counterintuitive to exactly. me. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, because I, I remember you used the term earlier today of, of you have more active meeple referring to the ones out on the board. Yeah. Right. But
0: actually, your active meeple are the ones that you can still play.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yes. Exactly. So. Um, yeah,
0: because in in essence, your meeple on the board are actually like trapped meeple.
1: <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> um, yeah. Right. They're trapped. They're tied up. Right. <laughs>
0: so. Um, they're most definitely not active. <laughs>
1: yeah yeah exactly so uh let's see so this so that's that's the mindset um you you want to you want to maximize your output your point output in this case from now until the end of the game and so you have you have seven meeple in your hand uh at the start of the game
0: right i mean and and you're the the complicated thing is that it's not if you just were to maximize one meeple, it's a really yeah. simple problem. Always exactly. put down on the four cap on the, you know, the four city that you can get immediately. But mm-hmm. the thing is that you have seven, and so I feel like essentially having more than one, you know, meeple in your hand or like active meeple means that your other meeple aren't necessarily down scoring as much points or as right. as you could be. So it's so
1: it's a del- yeah, so it, so it's a delicate balance between um you know, obviously, if if you're, you don't want to be too conservative with your meeple. Like, you wanna you wanna take some risks on some big projects. I mean, mm-hmm. i've I've seen it, in, I think multiple places. Um, that like, you know, a big city is is usually a surefire way to win the game if mm-hmm. you can get it built. Right. Um, and so, like, um, you have to be you have to be really careful that you don't get stranded. But, um, you know, if you have if it's like halfway through the game and you have six meeple in hand mm-hmm. or, or five or something like that, then, yeah, you might want to roll the dice on a big city because you're mm-hmm. you're probably not going to run out of the other meeple.
0: Well, and, you know. and I mean, there's smart ways to roll the dice because getting yeah. a big city mm-hmm. doesn't always mean you put. A meeple down on the city with the most tiles right it can also come about from you like putting down a meeple Mm -hmm. on a small city and then okay you get a city tile that you can add that actually doesn't increase the amount of open ends of the city and you just sort of keep doing this like Mm -hmm. you keep building out the city in one direction without actually making it any harder to finish the city all of a sudden you get the right cap and boom you have a big city exactly. and you really have haven't been far away from getting that meeple back at any time exactly so that's like a smart way to go about building cities
1: yep yep and um you know all of these all of these city tiles have sort of different ways to to make the city either easier or harder to complete and it depends on the situation but but yes absolutely if you can build the city bigger without making it harder to complete uh absolutely do it uh the tiles with sort of the, uh, the cities on two opposite sides, and the city cuts through the tile. Um, and the, and yeah, it's the, like a the, sliver of it's city. It's like a sliver of city that, that connects two uh, sort of opposite tiles. It's opposite hard Opposite sides. To just, yeah. Opposite sides. It's, hard, it kind, it's of kind of, kind of hard like to see. It's like an hourglass shape. Hourglass shape, exactly. Yeah. It's, it looks like an hourglass. Those are great for this. They're yes. so great. I mean, if you have them if have you have the, one
0: opening, they a lot of them have pennants, too. I think a lot two, of them have pennants, exactly. Out of three or something like that. Have yeah. Pennants, so. yeah. Yeah.
1: So I mean, that's a great way to expand the size of your city without making it harder to complete.
0: Mm-hmm. Also, Just, like because you can tend to build those straight out mm-hmm. from anything else. So actually, you, exactly. it can be easier to finish the city uh, after you use one of those exactly. sliver tiles
1: because it's farther out and it's less surrounded. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. And so, that, yeah, exactly.
0: It doesn't really like lower your, th- your throughput or like your expected sort of, <laughs> oh, we got, we got some technical difficulties here. All
1: right. It uh, looks like my computer has gone to sleep.
0: Uh-oh. Uh Oh, Dan may be working without a, uh, some notes here. We're going to see what he can do on his feet. <laughs> uh, all right, Dan. So uh, uh, now can you, list off every tile in carcassone out of the 72 in the deck right now um
1: uh well we 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 did take a picture earlier today that's true he about, about with about his my phone. phone's in the other room but oh uh be sure to it, come prepared. turns out my phone's at my sorry my computer is uh is back on all right okay that wasn't as bad <laughs> as i thought it was gonna be yeah uh okay so 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 where were we um yeah you yeah so you care about like we we don't we don't have the exact right answer for every situation we're ever going to, yeah, we're, we're ever going to encounter. But, um, if you just have this mindset of maximizing throughout the whole course of the game instead of this turn and wanting to keep bringing your meeple back into your hand and intentionally doing that, you're you're going to do so much better.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and one thing that we kind of just happened upon or like i like it finally helped things click to me is that like you you want to almost you want to maximize your meeple flow yes um like the more you don't just want meeple going out or meeple coming in Mm -hmm. um like by that i mean like meeple going out to projects and coming back into your hand you want like both of them to happen at a high rate but at Mm -hmm. equal rates (laughs) yes because if more if you have more meeple going out then all of a sudden you'll be without meeple when you have a good opportunity to place one. But if you exactly. have more meeple coming back in, then like I, I think I think overall you're just not scoring as much. Exactly.
1: Yeah. So like like I said, there's a delicate balance between choosing lucrative projects uh, and choosing completable projects. Mm-hmm. Um, well,
0: and so... Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, lucrative, completable. I'm thinking... I'm trying to like justify in my head. Why does having more meeple on the board score you more points? And maybe it's because... If you have five meeple on the board, then the odds of whatever tile you are drawing, mm-hmm. like that you're able to put it to use on a project that you yeah. already own yeah. is, is greater. Right. Okay, so that's gotta be it. Like you can use more of your
1: more of your draws, more of your turns to exactly. actually score points. So the more meeple you have on the board, I think the the bigger your projects tend to be. Oh, interesting. But but also but also yeah, but also the out. less likely that it is that they'll be completed. Huh. So it's like more projects versus bigger projects. Like yeah. that's that's sort of the line you're trying to walk. Gotcha. Um, so 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 we can leave you all to think more about that. Um, you know a lot, lot more to explore here. Um, but general rule of thumb here is if you have the opportunity to complete a project and bring back a meeple to your hand, you should absolutely do it. Uh, because, you know, you, you definitely shouldn't say, oh, I can, I can either bring it back now or I can do something else and wait for this project to get bigger later. That's just setting yourself up to fail and to Mm -hmm. have a bunch of stranded meeple. Um,
0: yeah, it doesn't, doesn't maximize your flow.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It does not maximize your
0: stagnates
1: your, uh, your, your inflow. Yeah. Um, So good rule of thumb to keep at least one free meeple in hand for quick placement projects like those four point cities or two point roads. Um, And you also want to, this is a good corollary to the throughput mindset, but you want to end the game with no meeple left. This should be your goal. Uh, Meeple at the, in your hand at the end of the game are worth nothing. Mm -hmm. So you want, you want meeple to keep coming back into your hand throughout the game but by the time the game's over you want to have used every single one um, and think about it this way you're on the last turn you have a meeple left right do you want do you, at, now at this point do you want to place on the four tile city or do you want to place on the one tile city that you complete and get the meeple back in your hand Obviously, you want to place on the four tile city because yeah. it's the last turn, right? So and you'll just, score five points, and as you'll score to four. five points instead of four. Doesn't matter about right. the people coming back, exactly. So, and even like on the well, on the
0: second to last turn, if you mm-hmm. have two meeples in hand, same thing, same thing, because you'll have one meeple left to play on your last turn, yeah, at least.
1: And, yeah, and if you think about throughput, you're you're maximizing your total output for the remainder of the game so if there are two turns left and you can score like five points with this meeple and four points with this meeple and get neither of them back that's 4.5 meeple per turn if you score four points with this one and two points with this one and you get both of them back that's that's three points yeah, per it's turn. Just worse you know it's 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 worse so so um getting your meeple back becomes less important as the game goes on um scoring more points on this turn becomes more important as the game uh, right. nears the end. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. So just... yeah,
0: because as the game comes to an end, the chances of you drawing the right piece to make your project worth a lot mm-hmm. um, decrease, mm-hmm. but the chances that there's some already kind of build out project that you can get a few points yeah. on increases. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. there will
1: be a lot of like open-ended stuff. Plenty of, plenty of projects open toward the end of the game. Um, New fields tend to open up toward the end of the game where you can just mm-hmm. have a quick drop for six points or place on a city for five points or a road for three points or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so just be, be open to that. Start thinking of that as the game ends. So I, I think now we want to talk about neutralizing, uh, and even thwarting your opponents.
0: Yes, because, uh, as a Euro style game, mm-hmm. you know, you're not in direct conflict with everyone on the, on the board, but there's a fair amount of interaction, actually a lot of interaction. Um, pretty much most of the game is interacting with the placements other people put down. Um, so in Carcassonne, there's, um, a, a fair amount of snaking to be done, um, What do you mean by snaking, John? And what do I mean by snaking? Okay, so there's the whole rule that, you know, if you can't really put down a a meeple on a feature that someone's already claimed, Mm -hmm. but if you have a tile that you've placed sort of catty corner or that's not actually adjacent to that project, Mm -hmm. but it's still, you know, say they're both city tiles and your city's one tile away, Mm -hmm. but it'll hopefully link up later, you can put
1: your boy down. Yeah, so in other words, if you put it down... And it's the project is not one that somebody else owns, but then but then later on, more tiles get put down to connect. They just they connect. happen to connect these two projects. Then you actually get in on the action. You get in on those points. Yes.
0: Too. Yeah. And as if you and the other and another player have the same amount of meeples, um, you both share the points. But uh, so that's snaking in itself. If someone builds out a huge city for themselves and, mm-hmm. and you know you put a little cap somewhere down the line and put one guy there like Dan did to me today. um, (laughs) And eventually, you know, they, you know, you're able to build that cap towards their city and connect the two. Mm -hmm. Um, Boom. You're sharing the points and they probably did way more work than you did. Exactly. The more extreme case um, is when you can actually do this twice to put two meeples, um, into a city where they only have one meeple mm-hmm. and then you get all the points
1: and they actually get nothing. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah. So yeah, I mean I mean I and this technically is true for 2 to 1 or 3 to 2 or anything. I've only I, I've never three really is, I've yeah. never seen a 3 to 2 city. But Yeah. Fields, <laughs> We've seen
0: pretty much everything as far as fields now. Fields get kind of crazy, <laughs> but
1: um city
0: I mean pretty, we played a game know. earlier today yeah. where we each had four farmers on the same field. Yes. Yeah, um was it probably correct? not optimal play <laughs> was it optimal? You know, no but that's how the game ended up yeah um and so we end up splitting those points <laughs> yeah yeah and so this is sort of i mean i think this is like a very dubious act because mm-hmm. we we talk about how you you want to minimize your risk of like leaving stuff out you mm-hmm. want to like be cognizant of the fact that it's hard to complete features like mm-hmm. a lot of features and and then you're going to say like oh no but actually you should put this guy down that does nothing immediately mm-hmm. and only yeah. is able to snake someone else's feature if you draw another good tile exactly to put it
1: so like or multiple it good tiles seems dubious need... but i mean it's worth it right it depends <laughs> so if you are playing a two-player game two like one-on-one uh it's almost always worth it depending so as long as long as you make it reasonably likely that that tile is going to be drawn, in other words, if you can make it so you only need one tile to be to be drawn in order to snake in and and take this city, it's almost and that it's, it's like almost a common always common worth tile it. and a common tile. exactly Hopefully. a common tile, right? Um, um,
0: which you'll kind of get a feel for as you right. play. I mean you can exactly. go through the habit of, of memorizing everything, but like if you need like a road with a bend in it and a city cap, that's not a common tile. Mm-hmm. But if you just need like a city elbow or something like that, yeah, you'll probably be able to find one.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And um I mean it knowing the knowing the number of tiles is helpful. Um just getting a sense like look at the board, see what's been been played and you'll mm-hmm. get a rough idea of what's left but um you especially with, like, with two player too, you two you
0: can players. also like sort of build in a way that like the other player can't can't avoid like can't swerve exactly. out of the way right because it's like if you can build the, to the point where it's like okay only one specific tile will mm-hmm. fit in between these two cities where like i have you know, a meeple in, in over here and you have yeah. meeple over there and mm-hmm. only one tile will connect them but also that's like the only tile you could even play mm-hmm. in between these two cities mm-hmm. then like then it just becomes like how likely am i to draw that tile as opposed to them right they can't like build the city out in a different direction and close it off to you mm-hmm. um so and then i feel like that's more of a thing in in two player than a four player because in four player like it's not either you or your one opponent that can yeah. draw the right tile. It's like uh-huh. you or all three of your opponents who wouldn't right. write yeah
1: yeah you're you're less likely to draw the right tile. Uh, the other thing is um, you the less the less relative uh, benefit you're getting um, so so the more resources you're tying up and the less benefit you're getting relative to these other players. Mm-hmm. So so like in a two-player game, we're, John and I are battling for, for one city. Okay, I'm, I'm out one meeple. He's out one meeple. We're both out the same. If we're playing against Susie and Brett, uh, and we're battling for a city, and I, John and I are battling for a city, we're both out one meeple. Our opponents are not. Mm-hmm. Um, and so while we're... While we're trying to build this city or not build this city, depending on what it, whatever it is, you know, um, Brett's and Susie's meeple are outscoring points.
0: They're they're applying that throughput mindset. They're
1: applying that throughput <laughs> they're mindset, They're flowing meeples out left and in and out left and right. Exactly. So you know, if and in we're gen- stuck. in general you're stuck, uh, we're, we're stuck.
0: Like yeah. like we're stuck in this situation where we're fighting. Yeah, over e- the
1: city e- exactly. And so you. These two people suffer, and the other two people gain. Mm-hmm. Whereas, if it's just one on one, you're both e- you're both suffering relatively equally, and so it's right. it's not as bad for you to to try and snake in. Yeah. But a- another thing to think about is when you um when you try and snake projects, usually it makes it less likely that the project will complete, right? Uh, especially when it's a city, less so when it's a road. Um,
0: yeah, because roads tend to just complete on their own sometimes. Exactly. <laughs> People, um, yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. So, so I mean, um, and a, a city is also so has much more points. It's it it's so much more points. Um, so many, your opponent so. will get much angrier if you snake their city than if you snake <laughs> their road. Yeah. Uh, which which we can talk a little bit about at the end, whether but, that's
0: logical or not. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's interesting. But you can think of it as like okay, if you both have one meeple in this city and it's just youtube playing then like if i add more points to the city then i'm also giving my opponent an equal amount of points mm-hmm. so i'm actually not creating any advantage for myself to building this city out more right which is why in two player uh, uh, you know when, it, when there's an even when there's a tie in a feature they tend not to be there's no incentive for either player to complete the city right or the feature mm-hmm. now in f- four players and three players you actually do have to think of it. Yeah. You kind of have to adjust your mindset and think less of you do when you have a tie game. tie ball game as far as how many meeples are in there, then you actually probably do still want to build it out a yeah. little bit because building it out gives you points over the third guy or the fourth guy that we, aren't involved. We call
1: this a joint venture. Yeah, a joint
0: venture. <laughs> it's it's very much like I mean if you watched our risk listen to our risk episode mm-hmm. um you you've gotten or, or all of our Orcoton. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, all about like ally theory, sort of this this yeah. idea uh, uh, the theory of like why alliances are good. You, you mm-hmm. you're both getting an advantage yeah. um over whoever's not in the in the joint venture. Exactly. Um but I would say like and if it's a big city, of course, yeah, you both both players really need to get really those wanna, points. Yeah. Um but sometimes but there's still less incentive to mm-hmm. build there at times.
1: Right. And you know the know. the the other thing though that's important is is not so yes, you and the person you're building with both want to complete the city. The other player or other two people really don't want <laughs> really want to thwart you. Yeah. So it's going to be really in their best interest to to put down a tile that just messes your whole city up mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. like blocks the one tile you need to complete. Or it's and it's just a mess. So that's much more likely to to happen in like a three or a four player game, um, and to hurt you. Um right. so so that's why it, you should re, you should be really cautious about about uh trying to to either leech um so share or steal um mm-hmm. the more the more players there are in the game just as a general rule.
0: Right. Yeah, so so we've talked about stealing cities. We've talked a little bit about stealing roads. I mean, roads seem a little bit less impactful, but still like I mean, you got to you, know, you got to keep it in mind, but I like you said, I never really get mad when someone steals a road from me or, or like, well, stealing a road, like leeching onto a road. I don't care. Mm-hmm. If someone right. steals a road, I, yeah, I can, I can get a little bit mad. Sure, exactly. But um, it doesn't seem like as big of a deal. Um, and it, all, it also I, just
1: I, seems like a lot of resources to deploy for not a lot of points. Right.
0: If you're putting two meeples down for one road... It seems like it seems like you're wasting a lot of potential meeple scoring exactly um that road better be flipping along, yeah, uh, and roads don't in my experience don't really get past like it 10. needs to be
1: either either long or definitely gonna complete right yeah, yeah yeah it's like, yeah yeah
0: or yeah exactly, something like where... it's
1: like it's it's f- it's five tiles out into the abyss, and all like all you need is a road end and it's done, yeah exactly you
0: know, like... hmm anyway. Um, yeah. but the last thing that I feel like is probably the most important thing to try and steal or leech is, is fields. Yes. Also for me, <laughs> one of the harder ones to wrap my head around because it's a, hard, a little bit hard to visualize, mm-hmm. um, Definitely. but stealing fields seems very relevant in like every game
1: that I play. Definitely. Yeah. A lot. I mean, a I'm lot of the times but... the game will come down to who has the best field placement. Mm-hmm Mm -hmm. um and the thing we've mentioned also about fields is usually this happens late in the game Mm -hmm. so you know you can easily be ahead for most of the game and just be sitting pretty and then someone someone sneaks in and um gains access to a good field and um overshoots you or they might be able to snake in and take your field um so i think the reason that that fields are tend to be so important is one they happen like i said they tend to happen very fast toward the end of the game and they're they're just very um they can score so many points easily mm-hmm. i mean the more cities are built like in, in as a general helpful rule the smaller cities tend to be the more you have to look out for fields yeah yeah, right. uh, more aware i mean if you have two sprawling metropolis. Ten, 10 square yeah. metropolises, metropolis. then like uh don't worry too much about fields, but if you have ten little four point cities, you should be looking at fields, fields relatively going to be early because mm-hmm. they're gonna be big and you wanna you want access to them i mean we're talking like like potentially twenty thirty points yeah 20, twenty
0: uh yeah. four points i've definitely seen happen yeah i've
1: seen as many as thirty three yeah. actually oh wow yeah
0: and it's and it's kind of wild i mean I think the issue with like again putting the farmer on the field early. Is that like yeah? You have this this farmer that's worth a lot of points, mm-hmm. but also like if someone pulls off a snag, mm-hmm. um, then they've at the end of the game, then they've had that meeple the whole game. Yep. And then if, if you guys points. even if you even share the points mm-hmm. for the field after they've had that meeple for the whole game, they, they're probably going to be at an advantage because yeah. they were scoring with the meeple that whole time that you had it on the field. Mm-hmm. Like I think I think. Because I was I was playing around with some some strategy where I was putting down some early farmers, and I think that can only be successful if you maintain total control of the field. Mm-hmm. If you end up sharing the field after putting down it's an really early farmer, you're at you're at a disadvantage.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah no, I guess not that it's not worth it, but yeah, like like John said, you've scored fewer points because mm-hmm. you put it down earlier. Um, so this is this is kind of part of the reason why it's great i mean i i i love it when i when i've been playing when i have lots of meeple in hand toward the end of the game because i don't have to be stingy about where i put down my farmers mm-hmm. like if i you know if i have um if there's a field that you know i might be able to snake into this big field and earn all these points I might I might be willing to take a risk and put down you know one of my four meeples with six turns left, mm-hmm. you know and and just try for it, um, which is another reason why the throughput mindset is so important. Um, you want you want those meeples able to deploy by the end of the game. Um, but one more thing I wanted to say about fields is if you don't get the biggest field, you know don't don't enter sort of a a, a pissing contest here. <laughs> um, there's there's lots of different ways to to score, to score points on fields like a six you put down a six point field toward the end of the game that can be huge or a nine point field um you you notice that there's a corner uh with like two unfinished cities and you make up your mind okay i'm gonna i'm gonna finish those and grab that field um or like i don't know anyway the sometimes really small fields can touch three or four cities Mm -hmm. uh and so you should be on the lookout for those fields especially if you don't get the sort of alpha field right yeah got it yep uh okay so we're i know i know we're we're pretty (laughs) (laughs) we're about an hour past on time now yeah but
0: um i mean we've talked about stealing and leeching um, yeah the other thing that you can do that's not quite as aggressive is yes. is blocking and thwart, yeah. thwarting as we have it, but it can so, be just as fun. <laughs> it can be just as fun. And and I mean again, that's what Daniel actually advised me on oh, in our gosh. game earlier today. I was like, "Oh, man, I don't think I have I don't think I can put this tile in any way that makes it harder for you to complete or like place the feature that you would need to place to win." Mm-hmm. And Dan's like, "Oh, no, you can do that. You just need to turn it the other way and, yeah. p- and put it here. And I put the p- tile down where Dan recommended. It, and then all of a sudden he drew the exact tile that he would have been able to place. Had I not followed yep. his advice, um, yep. but he didn't, he couldn't place it because I had placed a nearby tile to make yep. it harder for him to complete his city or to add to his city. In this case, Exactly.
1: Yeah. And in, in this case it was, um, it was placing a tile that I would have been able to claim like a huge six tile. In complete city on With the like last on pens. the last turn and um and but and, and, and would have won, won me the game yeah yeah <laughs> so so, didn't even need so any... i i uh, dug my own grave there but mm-hmm. but uh but yeah that's that's the idea is uh <laughs> yeah blocking your opponents uh can be a very effective thing to do if mm-hmm. again like we said you're not going to be placing a meeple every turn you're not you shouldn't be there's not going to be profitable projects every turn. So Mm -hmm. when you don't have those profitable projects, you need to be looking at thwarting your opponents. Mm -hmm. How do I, how do I block off a big road? Mm -hmm. And you know, Oh, the best thing is like, you're playing three or four, like two or three more players and they're battling for a city and you block off that city from being completed. And it's like, Ed has, Two meeple he can never play again and and Sam has one meeple he can never play what again. About Stu. Oh it's, and so, st- Stu st- oh. Stu's been dead since the beginning. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, but, but uh, you know. Uh, Stu. Stu, Stu Stu's never played before. Yeah, uh, okay. but anyway <laughs> anyway, um you know, like we just uh it's it's a it can be very um satisfying to to block somebody off a big project and mm. Um, not only does it block them from getting their meeple back, um, it opens up opportunities for you because more tiles—the same number of tiles—are still being placed, but um, your opponents aren't placing as many meeples, so you mm-hmm. have more opportunities to claim stuff in the final if you can turns. Trap their
0: meeples—is what you're saying?
1: If you can trap their meeple, and huh. uh, and you know, in the final turns, like if you have three or four more meeple that you place, and s- instead of placing you know two three and four on your last three turns you might get a five seven and four whatever gotcha you know so so that's that's a fun thing to keep in mind
0: um i mean i feel like the same the same sort of things apply where it's like okay whenever you're playing an antagonistic strategy like we said it's going to be better in two player. Mm-hmm. Um but like Dan said in three and four player if you can block multiple players at a time, mm-hmm. that's also great. Oh yeah. Uh, I I also think it it conflicts a tiny bit with the throughput mindset. So you like in the way that like you really have to be cautious in deciding whether there's anything more productive to be done with this tile than mm-hmm. to block someone. Yep, but there definitely exactly. are cases where like it's, and the one I can think of is like, say you have a city tile with like three open edges yep. and you don't want to add that to any of your cities. Cause it'll no, make them exactly. like impossible to complete. Uh, well you can put it nearby like someone else's city exactly. and you know, maybe it adds one point to their incomplete city, but like it also just destroys their chances of yep. completing it. Exactly. So something like that. Um, where like you don't have a productive place to put it, boom, go ahead and block someone. Like yep. Dan said, it can, it can put you up a meeple and being up a meeple is huge Mm -hmm. especially Especially early in the game yeah
1: yeah Mm -hmm. um so yeah and, and a good rule of thumb here um just like you you want to build your tiles out because it makes it easier to finish your projects you want to try and surround the tiles that your uh your opponents need as much as possible, even mm-hmm. if you don't know exactly what's left in the deck, it's usually I mean, it's, it's generally true that like it's harder to um, to build on a certain tile, the more surrounded it is with mm-hmm. other tiles. Right. Yep. Yeah. All
0: right. Well, Dan, this game, like many other games we've covered, mm-hmm. is played between people. OK, and people. people. No, not meeple. People. People, people, yes. Oh, okay. Between people with meeple, yes. Okay, okay. and uh, like we've talked about in you know every episode, pretty much except yeah. backgammon. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, people are imperfect and they're susceptible to rhetoric. Yes. Um.
1: So. Well, we're, we're social creatures. Yeah.
0: And this is another <laughs> game, just like any other game where you've you got a lot of people playing and, and teaming up and stuff. You can definitely spin stuff oh, yeah. to get people to do what you want. <laughs> yes. Um, again, it's a game where if you understand who's a threat and who's not a threat, mm-hmm. and if people think that if you can make, make it so that you don't seem like a threat, and then, oh, you know, you guys should focus on blocking this player yeah because they're mm-hmm. gonna destroy us it can be huge for your mm-hmm. your um advantage in like three or four player games
1: yeah definitely
0: additionally and it'll help you convince people to work with you on joint ventures yep when they don't think that you're if they don't if people think you're winning yeah then why would they work with you on on
1: a joint venture because you know they're still gonna lose to you <laughs> right so, right yeah And i mean i and i think like um like like I said earlier, I think people are more liable to get angry if you snake into their city, for example, and so i I think this might sound silly, but it it might actually be a good idea to if if you find yourself doing that, like maybe say, oh sorry, sorry, man or. You know, sorry, I, I, I just had to do it. You know. I didn't have um, anywhere better to put it. I didn't have anywhere <laughs> better to put it, you know, like make it seem like you're not you're not in it to screw them over, you know. You're you're just like mm-hmm. you're just you're just playing by the rules and um you're just you're just doing what's best. Um yeah. and don't take it personally. Like oh,
0: I'm just making sure no one else you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> Oh, I'm just making sure no one else gets you know into the or city, or yeah. like you know
1: maybe even even better like you connect um be- better from a social perspective, but like you have a two point city and you or you have a you have a four like a two tile city and they have a two tile city and you connect it and now it's a ten tile city and you and you both win and everybody else loses, you know hey right. yeah let's let's go, you know it it can be sort of cooperative in that mm-hmm. way. Um, so so just be like thinking about it uh don't put a target on your back um yeah definitely don't, don't like don't, do don't try not to seem like you're in first although it's kind of hard because you you know you walk the thing, your, if, you there walk your dude the are, if there are three players
0: that are yeah score there's a the whole scoreboard
1: thing but um
0: if you're playing with people that are pretty decent at judging who's in the lead and like that know how to block. It's like if you have three people dogpiling on you, yeah, like I think you can easily get overwhelmed. Yeah. So like Dan says, yeah. don't put a target on your back. Um also like if you are ahead on the scoreboard, you know, try and emphasize how many oh bob, but so and so has like six meeples down and look how many meeples look how big this city is and it's about to finish. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. emphasize the if you have a lot of points scored, emphasize mm-hmm. other players potential points. Yeah. And it'll make Mm -hmm. your position seem less strong. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Like similarly, like if you don't have a lot of points in the scoreboard, de-emphasize your potential points, you know, talk about how, oh, well, like I got this city going, but like, I need one of these like two or three specific tiles. Like I just, you know, there's no way I'm going to finish this thing. Yeah. (laughs) Stuff like that. Um, (laughs) to sort of just make it
1: seem like, just,
0: just emphasize, you know, the points that make you seem like less of a threat. <laughs>
1: yeah, definitely. And, and I think one more point here is like, uh, you know, talking is definitely a big part of the game, or it can be depending yeah. on who you're playing with. I mean, it's a with. pretty friendly game. Like, it's, you know, it's you're, friendly. You're it's a, almost it's like not shooting crap. you attacking a little bit. someone. Yeah. Um. Yeah. yeah. You know. Um. What I what I will say is I and I just thought about this. I could be dead wrong, but I think it's it's a little harder to be apologetic when. You're not doing a joint venture, but you're actually blocking someone from completing a city or something like that. Right. So I think actually when it comes to that, you should maybe be as quiet as possible and kind of try and fly under the radar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, they and the, the nice thing about blocking is they might not even realize in the moment that they're blocked, you know. Right. Or the, Or it might not be true that they're blocked in the <laughs> moment, but in a few turns, it turns out all those tiles are gone. You know? Yeah. Yeah, right, for think.
0: sure. So you know, be sly, um, yeah. be sneaky, but don't be too sneaky. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and,
1: and you know, it's it's becoming clearer and clearer if you've been listening to our podcasts how truly, truly bad we are at deception. Oh yeah, in no, terms no, no. of what we think deception, <laughs> like good deception, really is. So don't yes. take our word for it. I mean, it's, that's but the
0: thing. We're all we're talking about. Oh, you got to convince people this, convince people that. The act of convincing people of something makes them trust you less. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like if as soon as people <laughs> yeah, feel like they're true. being convinced of something, yeah. they're immediately mis like mi- put have mistrust towards you mm-hmm. because they're like, okay, this person probably has an agenda for for like getting me to think this way. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, the, you know. Don't you got to be sly? I don't know, yeah. (laughs) Can't really train you guys on that, but
1: yeah, I wish we could. I mean, I think practice will will make perfect, right? And that's the nice thing about this game, it's easy to practice, so yep. And um,
0: as we were looking up on the Wikipedia page, apparently there's a ton of different expansions for it. So (laughs) many. Um, I mean, we only ever played with the Abbot and the River. Um, and the River is sort of like Abbot, we've already mentioned, the River is sort of interesting, you kind of have to um it creates some pretty interesting stuff with how the fields take shape um and it also gives a lot more structure to the opening game mm-hmm. but overall i don't think it, it really changes too much of the core um it, it kind of i don't know it just it's sort of a set aesthetically pleasing which is good yes um but there are like crazy expansions and i have no idea if they're even sold because i haven't even seen them on the market but like there's a plague expansion mm-hmm. uh, there's like you know an expansion i don't there's like it like, a, it like, like a there's giant, like a giant with a giant expansion. meeple right there's well that one and that yeah. one is actually commonly played. you can play that on the oh, apps cargo okay. okay. uh, Carcassonne also easily available through Online. phone and computer apps so yeah um just a few bucks but i mean it's very good interface like the official apps are very great way interface. to learn great, yeah, way, great to way to learn too to learn. they're solid they have like different personalities of of ai which is kind of fun to learn against mm-hmm. um but yeah, like even in that game you can play with the big meeple. I forget mm-hmm. what expansion okay. that is, but it's like we didn't look too much into it. We just kind of played with the river and the abbot. Um and it seems like they, you know, the creators gotten pretty inventive with yeah. <laughs> with these, but I'm I'm just not sure how popular any of them are or if they're in like large scale production. Mm-hmm. Um but I don't know. It, they're probably pretty sick. <laughs> That's about all I can say about them. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs>
1: um yeah, go try them out um or start or start with the basic pack and uh if you like it keep going and if if not you can listen to our our next episode <laughs> yeah
0: I, I mean and i i think you know i don't know if we even got uh, uh, into this but i'm pretty sure the guy who created it is just a school teacher he's like a high school teacher oh I, yeah i, I, don't I know believe actually. it says that on the box of the game and so i don't know just think about that you know when you're putting money in this game, you're just supporting, you know, a lovely guy. Supporting who, our teachers. You know, yeah, supporting, <laughs> exactly. supporting, the, you know, the teachers. Supporting just probably some dude who just loves board games, and yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean. It's kind of cool.
1: Yeah. So, all right, okay. Dan, you want to close us out? Sure. Uh, <laughs> thank you for listening to this episode. We had a great time uh, learning and teaching you about Carcassonne. Uh, go play. Have fun. Try the expansions, uh, and we'll see you next time. Mm -hmm. This has been How to Beat Your Kids at Board Games. Signing off.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of How to Beat Your Kids at Board Games. We hope you enjoyed it and that you learned something, because we always do. If you like our show, please tell your friends, and be sure to rate or review us wherever you get your podcasts. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by typing our acronym HTBYKABG in the search bar. Again, that's HTBYKABG. If you have questions, comments, feedback, or suggestions for games you'd like us to cover, we'd love to hear from you. Please email us at HTBYKABG at gmail.com, or message us on social media.